Want to get the edge in your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle delved deeper into the data behind all of the Premier League matches every single game week. We combine Pinnacle's sharp betting markets with the game's latest analytical metrics to help you find value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, everyone, and a hearty ho, ho, ho to you and yours. This is EPL Insights for Game Week 18, and our gift to you, well, it's the gift of picks and plays this week in the Premier League. Gareth Wheeler, Jake Osgathorpe with you, hoping not to wrap up lumps of coal for all of our listeners and viewers this week. A happy holidays to you and your young family, Jake. How are you? Thank you. Yeah, good. It's just, uh, you know, it's the first time experiencing it with a child. And I'd probably say, as I said before we were talk- uh, before we started recording, it's um, the first year is always a bit more for the parents. I mean, the child doesn't really know what's going on. I think that you're in the situation now where uh, your little one is clued up as to what to expect and is getting all excited and giddy, um, which, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. He's two years old now. So yes, this is the first Christmas that he does know what's going on. He's asking Santa for pickles and a pickup truck. So <laughs> like a true Man United fan. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not sure if that says more about him or the parents, uh, but nonetheless, uh, I hope his dreams, Christmas dreams come true. Uh, a little bit of an augmented and awkward slate in the Premier League this week as we have hit the festive period where the games come fast and furious and a little bit all over the board. There is one game that's being played on Thursday. There's a quick turnaround to when this podcast is released and when the Palace Brighton game that will be played. But Jake will give you a potential play for that one. And then City off at the Club World Cup. Who knew uh, their fixture against Brentford is postponed this week. So just a feature five, Jake, and we'll touch on four rapid fire as well. Game week 17 played out. I don't know how you felt about it, just the way that it played out generally. It was a very frustrating one for me, uh, just in terms of the way the games played out. Uh, Liverpool United, you know, front and center in that match. Uh, so much of the ball with Liverpool. Both of us had two plays, both sided with Liverpool in that match. Um, that was the decisive game of the weekend, I think, for both of our boards, and it just completely went the wrong way. Yeah, it did. It was um, it was a, it was a strange one because the United never looked like winning the game. Really, I mean, they had one chance in it from Hoyland, but Liverpool were just in total control. Thirty-four shots. Um, over two expected goals, nearly three. But he just, for all us wanting them to create that one big chance, he just couldn't. Um, and we'll touch on it when we talk about the Arsenal game because it's starting to become a little bit of a pattern for Liverpool, a little bit concerning pattern anyway. So I did a little bit of digging into that. But yeah, that was really the the one game that could have turned the weekend into a very positive one. Um, I only made a small loss, thankfully. Um Overall, I got into a great position before that match, but um, yeah, it just wasn't to be. I was just praying that they scored a late goal because we were both on the win to nil at a big price, which would have, uh, which you know, like I said, it, Man United never looked like scoring really. So just a case of could they break them down? But yeah, I don't know what you felt about the game from a Man United perspective because it was a you know all the stuff over here afterwards. The coverage was like, oh, it's a great point, and it had me thinking. Was it four like four years ago when Mourinho took a team there? Drew nil nil, and they were getting absolutely Five. berated. 
Yeah, they were getting berated for the way in which they, they played, sat deep, they on the counter-attack, basically played six at the back. Um, and, you know, it just kind of shows how far the mighty have fallen, the fact that everyone's not kind of talking about it in the same way when it was a very similar performance. Yeah, I mean, I mean, reality is sunk in. This United side hasn't scored at Anfield in five years. Um, but I don't think there's any illusion where the club and the team is at right now. Injuries as well, Jake. It plays a significant factor when it comes to Manchester United. So um, I think that within that context, I came out of it thinking that if United played a little bit more caution, a little bit more like that in the Champions League and maybe some other fixtures this season, they'd probably have a lot more points. So they actually did show some structure and the thing from United's perspective I, I don't think enough people were talking about is that Eric Ten Hag finally got it right in terms of his midfield composition playing a double pivot like who and it took a game, played a double and, pivot and it, and it took a game without Bruno Fernandes to actually do yeah. it I just like that was my big takeaway in fairness and I would like to see him continue to play that even when Casemiro comes back or whoever if you have Bruno Fernandes in the team you cannot play with two attack minded midfielders who will completely abandon defensive duties so that was my takeaway in fairness and Liverpool take McAllister out of that midfield it's looking a little bit thin so yeah I came away with three victory well Two wins and a half win on the weekend, but all of them were on half unit plays. So it wasn't a very good week for me. Uh, you'll dig into the numbers. The numbers are posted on Pinnacle on our social media accounts as well. By the way, the United Liverpool draw closed at plus 509, a 16.4% probability for that game. And it went up for the opening line of plus 376. Betcamp for a draw was at 8.82% in that one as well. Um, that was the big one. The other big one, and I'm kicking myself because I mentioned it on the podcast, how I had a strong lean towards Palace, but I wanted to see what their team looked like going in. I still didn't make a play. The number came down from two. I think it ended at the handicap was uh, one and a half or 1.75. I didn't make a play. And lo and behold, Palace earns a hard fought draw at the NAAD against Manchester City. Again, no, no Erling Holland is a difference maker. For City, no De Bruyne. Okay, they they've done well without him, but no Holland. I, I just that's a non-starter in terms of their title credentials. That was the other big takeaway from the weekend. That result, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, I'm. <laughs> I said it last week on the pod, didn't I? That I think that we're getting close to a point where you have to back Man City to win the title at the prices, um, because you know the eye test. What the plus one one sixteen now? It's the first time they've been a plus number since we've been um, you know since the start of the season. And yeah, the eye test suggests they're not playing very well. Obviously, they're dropping a few points. But if you look at the underlying data and the stats, like they're still the best team in the league comfortably. You know, the the problem that they have or they have had is a little bit of potential complacency when they get in front, uh, not putting teams away. But overall, like, I'm not too concerned with what I've seen. Like they were really good against Crystal Palace. Um, it was one defensive error that let Philippe Mitteteta get in, and then it was another defensive error that. that Went led to the penalty, but Palace had five shots all game. City were absolute cruise control. Up till the 74th minute, Crystal Palace had generated a total of 0.09 expected goals. Um, and then just a couple of defensive lapses. And before you know it, you're back to all square. But I, I think that this is touched on it at the start of the season. This is part of the game for Manchester City. I think they almost have to motivate themselves 
to make it competitive and interesting. Um, if, you know, they've done it year on year now. This is the third year in a row where they're giving teams a six point head start effectively. Um, and almost the thrill of the chase just gets them going and the second half of the season. And I don't want to say it, but I am, you know, I still really think that Manchester City are the team to beat. You know, the odds obviously agree with me. So I'm not coming at it from a outlandish statement perspective, but you know, I, all the negativity around them at the minute, I think that this, you know, it, it just needs to calm down a little bit because yeah, I, I think that they, they'll, they'll click into gear. This has got to welcome back a couple of players as well. Really important players. And uh, yeah, they'll, they'll figure it out. They'll go on a run over Christmas and, and beyond, I think. City on pinnacle, the futures, like Jake said, plus 116. Arsenal, top of the table at plus 260. Liverpool at plus 286. Villa, plus 1441. The best odds in market for the last 25 years can be found on pinnacle. It's a lot different when City's chasing you down with Erlen Holland. Erling Holland and his distinct run. Chasey, I'm sure that you've seen those videos online. Yeah. A, a, a lot more um, uh, intimidating, a lot more, there's more punch behind it, but just with just Alvarez leading the line, and we'll see about this foot injury. It just doesn't sound, just doesn't sound great not playing at the Club World Cup. So uh, we'll see. And it's very uncity maybe to dip into the market in January just to add that other number nine, but they might. I, let's see on Erling Holland first, but a decision will be made uh, in yeah. the coming weeks. I don't, I don't know if you saw the. We're recording this on a Wednesday. I don't know if you saw the <laughs> Club World Cup game that took place yesterday against Urawa Red Diamonds, but he actually played Phil Fern as a false nine, which I think is really interesting because a couple of years ago, before they had Haaland, they won the league playing as a false nine. Um, and I do wonder if he might just tactically switch to that when Haaland isn't available because it could potentially get the best out of Alvarez in that kind of off the striker role, bit of a free that's role where that he he's best. Yeah, that's where he's um, best. So yeah, I, I wonder if that might be something that we see post Christmas uh, if Haaland is unavailable, that they just just play that little false nine. And obviously what they're lacking at the moment, they're conceding a lot of goals as we've discussed, but they're lacking that control which they've had recently. Um, I know I've mentioned that it was mainly defensive lapses that cost them last week, but they like control the ball, they like control possession, the tempo, and having a false nine who's basically a midfielder just increases yeah. the capacity to, to take control of games. So that could be interesting to keep an eye on. I, I think you're right. Like This is the time to make that play if Arsenal wins this weekend. I wonder if that number even shifts out a little mm-hmm. bit more. We'll see, but there, there's two players... You know, their absence, it's non-starters in City winning the title. It's Holland, it's Rodri. Those are the two players in the team that they simply cannot afford to lose. All right, let's get after it. The feature five for this weekend, followed by Rapid Fire, and we'll keep track and we will provide our best and favorite plays throughout the breakdown. So let's start things off with a Saturday fixture. It's West Ham United taking on Manchester United. West Ham from a 5-0 loss to Fulham the week before to a 3-0 victory over Wolves. A kudos brace proving that wingers from Ajax in the Premier League can actually score goals. <laughs> There's one on the, that on the other one. side that's, that's, that's really not providing much. <laughs> a three assists from Paqueta and only the second Brazilian to, uh, to pick up three assists in a Premier League game. Do, do you know who the other Brazilian is? He's done it twice. Uh oh! I love throwing these your way. Yeah, um, Brazilian. <sighs> Who do you play for? Give me a clue. Liverpool. Oh, Coutinho. 
No, Firmino. Not He's done it. Firmino. Wow. Yes. Incredible for a striker. Fixtures are coming thick and fast for West Ham, however. They had a win over Freiburg before that in the Europa League to go on and win the group. Then they play Liverpool in the EFL Cup after this podcast is recorded on Wednesday. And they have just one loss in their last nine overall in all competitions heading in. Uh, just one loss in the last six in the Premier League as well. That was that 5 0 loss. So they're 4 1 and 1 in the last six. 29 goals scored on the season, 11 more than Manchester United. That's wild. But only Sheffield United, Burnley, Luton Town have conceded more than the 30 that they've given up. They're 4 2 and 2 at home, 15 and 10, undefeated in their last six in all competitions. As for Manchester United, they stopped conceding for a change. How about that? A nil-nil goalless draw at Anfield. Their first nil-nil. Well, the first nil-nil in the Premier League since early October. It's been a season of goals. This one never looked likely. Brendan and Evans were very good, as was Luke Shaw. They did give up 34 shots and eight on target, but the XG only 1.97, uh, which is decent considering the amount of the ball they gave up and the amount of shots they gave up. They only had one shot on target of their own. It was their first clean sheet in six games. Games in all competitions and their first draw. Incredible. We're almost at Christmas time. The first draw of the season. No wins in three, no goals scored in three, 18 goals in the season. Only five teams have, have scored fewer. Five or four, one and three away from home, eight and seven, a 15.35 expected goals against. That's wild considering they've only conceded seven away from home. Shaw, like I said, played last week. Rashford returned off the bench. Bruno Fernandez returns this week. Dello, for some reason, is suspended. Um, don't <laughs> ask me why. Head to head, each with a one nil home win last, uh, one nil home win last season. United also beat West Ham 3-1 at Old Trafford in the EFL Cup. They've played two under two and a half in four of their last five. West Ham are a slight favorite heading into this game. Uh, what's your read and do you have a play in this game, Jake? Um, I have a play. I do. Um, I was very surprised to see West Ham favorites to win this game. Me too. Um, for all, you know, they're, they're on a good run. They're scoring a lot of goals. Their underlying data is still a little bit questionable. Um, you know, you're looking at the XG table. If you take it from expected points, they are a place below Manchester United. And we know how bad Man United have been um, on the underlying data. So, yeah, I was very surprised to see them favourites at home. That would suggest to me that the bookies don't think there's much between these two teams at all. If there was play on neutral venue, Man United would be slight favourites. So, um, yeah, I think there's a bigger gap there than than what the, these prices suggest. However... I can't pull the trigger on backing a, a pro Man United bet at this moment in time. Um, I liked what I saw last week in terms of the double pivot. I mean, we've been crying out for it for a while just to almost revert back to what was working last season, which was playing a double pivot and being difficult to beat. You know, how many clean sheets did they keep last year and win games one and two nil? That was the way forward. That's the way in which they got the results. I'm really surprised it's taken until game week 17 to to do that. And it kind of, it was, his hands were forced, weren't they, with injuries and suspensions that he had to play um, that double pivot with McTominay being the kind of box-to-box support player. Um, I, I don't think it's a surprise that United haven't scored for three games. Um, they're creative issues we've talked about a lot on this show. I think that'll continue. And I, I think... I mean, it's not going to be an exact carbon copy display of what we saw at Anfield, but I think that United will try and keep this tight and try and nick nick a a result. 
Um, so I was really surprised, pleasantly so, to see under 2.75 goals. Um, well, A, the line to be at two, 2.75 as opposed to 2.5, and then to get plus money on uh, on the under 2.75. So I'm locking that in a full unit. I think that's a, a really solid proposition. You mentioned that the recent head-to-heads have been very low scoring. Um, and yeah, United, they, they're really struggling to carve out chances you know Gonacho for all his, his brilliance for a couple of games has gone very quiet Anthony doesn't really provide any sort of attacking quality whatsoever when he gets on the ball he does a step over and pass it backwards uh, Hoyland starved of service Rashford has been bang off it you are solely reliant on Bruno Fernandes to create you a chance and um, he's not been at the races for for a while now so yeah I, I like the look of uh, the unders and, and I think the one kind of it may sound like a small point but with Dallow being suspended Wan-Bissaka coming in is far less creative as a, well, a fullback slash inverted fullback because Dallow was doing that in Liverpool, wasn't he? Where he's coming inside to pick the ball up. I think that that could be, you know, it's not massive. It wouldn't swing the dial that much, but that's just something to consider as well with the lack of creativity down that right side. So I think while ever United have got Johnny Evans and Brown at centre-half, they're going to need a double pivot to protect them, which I think will reduce the number of goals that we see in United games moving forward. So... I'm playing the unders um, at a plus money price. The thing is, I have no faith that that's how Eric Ten Hag will play it this weekend. You think he's, gonna, <laughs> you think he's right. keeping his captain from a weekend ago and McTominay out of the team? I just, I, I, I can't see it. I think he's just going to revert back to the. That's that's. I, I agree with everything that you said, but that's why I cannot play the total because <laughs> I, I, I think that they could leave themselves wide open. For all, for all the criticism of Anthony, I think he's actually done a decent job in recent weeks for them. He just, there's no final product there mm. yet. I think that Rasmus Hoyland is somehow skirting away from the criticism because he's young. Um, but his movement off the ball has been nowhere near good enough. I know United starving. I, I understand that their service hasn't been great, but his runs off the ball is hold up play nowhere near good enough. Um, Bruno does come back in the team, adds a little bit more of a creative spark. I, I do think United can get something from this game. I'm just not sure if it's a win, but if you're going to give me a draw, no bet, a minus 101, just about even money, that seems to be a fair play. I think that they're being undervalued. Like, look, United haven't really had a run of fixtures where they don't play weekend midweek. Like for Bruno Fernandez, he's like 10 days off coming into this game, a full week off. It's an early game. It's the early fixture on Saturday. West Ham, by the looks of it, teams are going for it in the EFL Cup, playing strong sides. I fully expect David Moyes to play a strong side um, against Liverpool on Wednesday. So that's a tough turnaround. So, you know, this game may have draw written all over it, but um, I'll roll the dice here. I mean, it's a risk worth taking for for the value that there is. So uh, draw no bet, full unit play at minus 101 on United and the Manchester one version. So... (laughs) Uh, yeah. I know there's question marks, but I, like I, with the limited squad and the amount of injuries and some of the aging players he's had to play, I think the week off will do suit them really nicely going into this game, and they'll be focused and prepared. I mean, he's a manager that loves to be on the training ground and work with this team. Now, this week they're actually going to be working on preparation for playing against West Ham. Can they execute? I don't know, um, but I, I think based on the numbers that are being provided, again, it's worth the risk. Yeah, like, like I said at the start, I think that the market having West Ham favourite is wrong, but I just don't have that yes. that trust in United, especially with the, you know, if you are right and it does turn into a, 
a wide open game where you've got a McTominay, um, Amrabat, Fernandez midfield, then I do think West Ham have got all the capabilities to pick United off Agreed. on the break with Bowen and Kudos. So there is always, and you would, you know, you could argue they've got a better midfield at this moment in time in Paqueta and Edson Alvarez and James Ward-Prowse. Um, more settled anyway, but yeah, I, I'm I'm happy to just avoid the you know the the main one x twos and and just focus on that goal line because. I would be surprised if United managed to score a couple of goals at West Ham and, and vice versa. I think it could be quite a little cagey number um, to open up the Christmas period. Fair play. Uh, let's move things forward. It's Spurs and it's Everton. Tottenham back-to-back wins after not winning in five before that. The latest, a 2-0 victory over Nottingham Forest last Friday. Um, I pulled away, pulled off the first half Spurs win as Richarlison scored on the stroke of halftime. Couldn't get the both teams to score, and it looked like it was on after Basuma foolishly was sent off. A ridiculous challenge, and now Basuma, as if Spurs need this, is suspended for the next four games. Kulisevsky was a star player. I mean, I, I wasn't blown away last campaign. I thought he was good. I think he's been great this season. A goal and assist in the game. Uh They've now opened the scoring, Spurs have, in a league best 14 times this season. In 11 straight games, they scored the first goal. It was their first clean sheet in eight. They've gone over two and a half in seven of eight. Both teams to score has played in seven of eight. They are 4-0-3 oh, at home, but of the fifth worst expected goals against, according to Understat. Udogi also suspended for the next game. That's a big loss. LaCelso missed last game. We'll see if he's good to go. Brennan Johnson... Um, had to go off with a head injury. He should be good to go, but in the end, we'll see. Everton came away. Another convincing performance by Sean. I love Sean Deitch, manager of the season for me thus far. <laughs> a 2-0 away win at Burnley after a 2-0 victory over Chelsea the week before. Only Spurs have more away points with 18 than Everton 16. Everton only had 15 away points all of last season. They've already trumped that mark. 10 set piece goals this season. Both, by the way, both the goals came on set pieces, a free kick at a corner last weekend. 10 set piece goals this season, not including penalties, is the most in the Premier League. And on top of all that, the good news um, came to a, an abrupt halt as they lost in penalties to Fulham in the EFL Cup on Tuesday. It was 1 1 through 90 minutes. Under two and a half has played in four and five in all competitions, but four wins in a row in the Premier League and four consecutive Premier League clean sheets looks really good on them. Six, one and one in their last eight in the Premier League. Mikolenko, Young, Coleman, Ducore all missed the last couple games. The first three are the most likely to return this weekend. Head to head, it was a two nil Spurs win at home, a one one draw at Goodison Park with two sending, sendings off last season. Spurs no losses in five. Everton, no clean sheet in three. Spurs and their player availability is becoming a major concern because I think we really like the way that they play, but Basuma, important player. Udogi, an important player. It's like it's required to be patchwork stuff at times. So does that affect the way that you look at Spurs going into this game? It does, yeah. Um, They're one of the few teams where you know we've seen it already when they went on that really poor run of five without a win. That if you you know their kind of backups, if you like, are not as nowhere near the level required to to keep that system functioning um, at the same levels that we've seen when they are there. Um, I think the main players really are 
um, Romero, um, Bissouma, Kulusevski, and Son. Whether Kulusevski plays as a ten or as a right winger, that you know, those are the key players that are very hard to replace. And you know, you are going to miss Madison, you're going to miss Van der Ven, but we've seen that they've been able to deal without them. Um, but yeah, you could also argue Udogi's up there and Poro because they are creative Poro's been great. engines, yeah. but also part of that midfield. So um, yeah, I, I, it does massively affect my opinion on Spurs when they're missing so many players, especially Basuma, I think, because they don't have anybody as good as him of collecting the ball, um, driving through lines, making those passes. Um, you know, Hoiberg doesn't do that. Skip doesn't do that to the same level. So it does affect all facets of their game with him missing. Um, and yeah, there's as daft as it sounds, because there are obviously quite a few points between these two teams. There is not a lot between them at all. Um, Everton are playing at an extremely high level. If they'd not had the point deduction, they would be just seven points behind Tottenham, which kind of says it all really um, as to how impressive they've been. They actually sit above Tottenham on expected points, which tells you all you need to know about how good Everton have been in terms of their underlying performances. And the fact that they're stringing results together is hugely impressive. Um, clean sheets have come in. Goals have come in. Um, the, the only game which is the kind of blot on the copybook is the Man United home defeat where Ganacho scores third minute over yeah. end kick for the, for the ages and, and Everton dominate the rest of the first half. And if they go in level, they probably win that game. But... Yeah, that's the only poor performance, really, in the last eight Premier League games. Um, you know, they've been really, really good. And I think at these prices, I'm happy to take, take a punt on Everton to, um, you know, on the handicap. We're getting, we're getting um, three-quarter head start, which obviously means half a bet on the double chance, half a bet on plus one. So if they lose by a goal, we get a half loss. I'm, I'm taking that. I think this Everton team have shown um, for, well, over this last eight games, just how good they are. And again, I, I, I'm not, not to bang my own drum, but I said when they got the point deduction, they could have taken all the points off them. They'll stay up comfortably because they are performing at a top half level. And if they carry on the way they're going, they will finish in the top half despite the 10 point deduction. Um, and you mentioned away from home, they've had no issues whatsoever this season. Really, really, uh, well, been strong, if anything. Um, and Spurs, yeah, they're going to play all that attacking football. They're going to, probably score a couple, but they're so vulnerable defensively and Everton, the way in which they're attacking at the moment, are a bit of a handful. So I, I could see this being a draw, um, in which case we'd get a nice winner here. So plus 0.75 on the Asian handicap at minus 117. Exact same play for all the same reasons. Again, we'll say it every week, we subscribe to the Daichin theory. Um, and even when his team has lost players, they, they haven't skipped a beat. Like Decore and you know, important player. Mikolenko's had a really good campaign. Good season. Um, and, and and just it, do, it doesn't affect the the way that they play. Calvert Lewin's you know stayed fit. I mean, I don't think he's been outstanding, but he provides a focal point for the rest of the team. All hardworking, all honest. It all fits the Sean Dyche style of play. A little bit concerned the fact they played Tuesday, but some time to recover. And it's the absences for Spurs that just worry me if I was a Spurs fan like Yudogi very good um, Basuma very good that's the play at minus 117 I get it as soon as you get the you hear this on on this podcast because that number is going to shift out it's going to shift out Jake like there's no doubt about that in my mind so it might end up at minus 130 range um, minus 117 yeah. playable for me so uh, full unit play yeah. as well let's uh, 
Yeah, and let's hope we could that even our, see the line moving if by the time kicks off. It, it might it, be half it, a goal. It could. It could. I think what's keeping it where it is is the fact that Everton played Tuesday, but I'm, Tuesday Saturday it's okay. It's it's, it's yeah. not the it's not the Wednesday Saturday scenario that West Ham faced, which is always a much more difficult turnaround. All right, so we're aligned on that, which hasn't meant great things in recent weeks, but <laughs> I mean. Now's the time. Uh, Got to book that trend at some point, haven't we? This, this is it at Spurs yeah. Everton this weekend. Uh, Luton Town, Newcastle United, also a Saturday fixture. Luton Town, I mean, the story last week, so unfortunate. It was difficult to watch. Tom Lockyer collapsing on the field. The game abandoned at 1-1 against Bournemouth. Suffered cardiac arrest. The good news is that the medical staffs, when things like this happen, they're just so brave and and so quick to act. And Lockyer is now in recovery, and we wish him all the best. Um, Luton Town, the home form in terms of the football has been the real story. Just one win in five in their last five at home. But that was a 2-1 win over Crystal Palace, but they drew Liverpool over the course of that span and played the hard-fought one-goal home losses to City, Arsenal, and Spurs. Like, there's no charity in this league. There's no moral victories, but that's as close as there is. And they've been able to show something playing at Kenilworth Road in the Premier League. Uh, Four to five for Luton Town. Both teams to score has played. Seven out of their last eight. No clean sheet in their last 19 in all competitions. They're one, two, and five at home. Ten goals scored, 14 conceded. For Newcastle, a 3-0 victory over 10 men Fulham on the weekend. I mean, the, the Jimenez sending off completely changed everything. Newcastle needed at that. Miley, what a story he's been. He continues to play a huge role for Eddie Howe's side. At 17 years of age and 229 days, the youngest Newcastle player to score in the Premier League. And Newcastle, back to their XG ways where they continue to dominate. 4.28 was the best of the weekend, according to Understat. Now, they backed up that win with a loss in penalties to Chelsea in the EFL Cup 90 plus two, Mudrick scored after Wilson opened the scoring for Newcastle. Most notable for me, Jake, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, was Eddie Howe naming such a strong team for this game, considering how many games they played with a a virtually unchanged team over the last little bit. Uh, Sven Botman did come back, start the game, played 45 minutes. Joe Linton missed out after coming off with a hamstring on the weekend. Before the win last weekend, they had lost three straight in all competitions. They've gone over two and a half and four and five in all competitions. No win in their last six away in all competitions. They win, and I always say you can't bet against them at St. James's Park. But what about their away form? One, two, and five in the Premier League. That's surprising. Uh, Trippier returns from suspension this weekend. Setbacks for Barnes and Anderson is going to keep them out even longer. Sheridan at play and is in question this weekend, as is the aforementioned Joe Linton. So, Luton Town good at home, Newcastle poor away. Does that mean that there might be some advantage to making a Luton Town play in this one against a real powerhouse in the Premier League in Newcastle? Um, possibly, yeah. Um, I just, yeah, it's 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 always awkward when Newcastle are involved at the minute because they've played so many matches. The the as you said, they just doesn't rotate the team partly because he hasn't got the players to rotate. 
but also because it seems every game's a big game at the moment, uh, whether it be Champions League or a quarterfinal. Um, so yeah, obviously the, those players will be spent. They'll be gutted as well from that midweek one nil up. They were in total control. I don't know if you watch, watch the game, but they were in total control, and it's a pure defensive lapse from Kieran Trippier again. He he had was it two against Tottenham, um, but yeah, another one where the ball's just crossed in. He's tried to head it back to the goalkeeper and just not put enough on it. And Mudrick's come in and scored. That that happens when you're tired and overworked, and you know you make, you have those little um, lapses of concentration. And we are seeing that with Newcastle. They're a different team at home. Although having said that, before Raúl Jiménez was sent off in the 21st minute, the XG totals were 0.08 to 0.04. So it was a very, very even game up until that point. And then obviously the red card happened and Newcastle went silly and racked up over four XG. So it wasn't even like 11 v 11, they were the better team. No. You know, it was a very even contest. So yeah, I, I am going to take a pro loot and play. Um, I wanted plus one. The line has moved. It was it was plus one yesterday at around minus one twenty. It's now moved to plus three quarters after the back of Newcastle's result. I'm still going to take it at a plus number. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned, Luton they they've they've lost five at home this season, but all five have come by a single goal margin, which would mean that we'd have a half loss on this bet. Um, but yeah, they, they are a really. I guess they're a typical promoter team that fights relegation in the sense that the home form and the home pro, not form, the home process is mo- much better than their away process. Um, they're clearly trying to do similar to, to Nottingham Forest in terms of survival tactics, which is trying to get as many points as you can at home. Um, you know, their, their underlying process, while not great, is okay. Uh, 1.3 XG, 4, 1.9 again. So it's still heavily negative, but compared to their away form, which is, you know, one expected goal for and a 3.2 against. They definitely give themselves more of a fighting chance at Kenilworth Road, and and as you said, Newcastle's away form bad. Like they, they've, we watched them play back to back away games last week and or before the Fulham game, and they were awful in both at Everton at Spurs. They were shocking, and you know overall this season they've conceded one point nine expected goals against per away game as well. So you've got two teams that are struggling defensively, um, but yeah, I think the midweek factor. The the kind of everything that happened last week as well to, you know, it's been a difficult week for Luton, but you can just see them like galvanizing after that and, you know, playing for their club captain and all those kind of things that you can't quantify will, could probably come into this and, and give Luton that extra bit of an edge. So, yeah, I, I definitely was always in my mind taking a pro Luton play, uh, position. Um, and yeah, I see you nodding. I'm guessing you're taking similar. Exact same. A, a, full, yeah. a full unit play, uh, plus 106. I'm, I'm fine with that. Luton Town on the, on the handicap. I can't believe Eddie Howe played such a strong side in that game. Like, I know that Joel Linton didn't play. Longstaff came into the midfield. Botman played 45 minutes. Trippia didn't start the game. I like, I understand all that, but I, I, I I know that you're in a cup competition, you want to have it a go, but these players just look absolutely spent. And it shows more when they don't have the, the atmosphere, the environment of St. James's Park behind them. So, uh, and Luton Town, the complete o- the opposite. It, it, you know, it's those intangibles that, I mean, the number, the data looks good based on the, how they've been performing at home. 
But add that emotional element into what will be a charge, you know, kind of worth road this weekend. I'll make a full unit play. I'm also going to make a second full unit play. The good old both teams to score and over two and a half at plus, what is it, plus 122? Because um, Lutontown can't keep a clean sheet. I still like Newcastle's attacking processes. Like they put so much pressure on a goalkeeper in the back line. But I, I think Lutontown has shown that they can score goals against good teams going the other way as well. They're, they're, they're just awkward and difficult to play against. I'm, I'm really pleasantly surprised about the way they play, especially at home. So two full unit plays in this one. Uh, Lutontown on the handicap and both teams score yes and over two and a half at a plus 122. So um, again, this game at St. James's Park, I'm not making either one of these plays, but context matters in, in this circumstance. Uh, ready to go to the fixture of the weekend. Top of the table clash, they like Ooh, to yeah. call it, as Liverpool welcomes first place Arsenal to Anfield. Liverpool with the goalless draw against Manchester United. The most shots they've had in a game on record when they haven't scored. With 34 shots, most shots in a game without scoring since in the Premier League since United at Burnley back in 2016. I watched that game. It was absolutely painful. The good news is that Liverpool have now kept five consecutive clean sheets at Anfield against Manchester United. Um, and they're level on points with Aston Villa in second place, just one point back of Arsenal. They're 7-1-0 and at home in the Premier League, 21-5. and uh, and they do play in an EFL Cup fixture against West Ham on Wednesday at Anfield as well. McAllister was a big miss in the midfield, and his knee isn't feeling any pain, according to Jurgen Klopp. So we'll see what his status is for the weekend. I mean, he, he's the main man that they missed, um, as Jota, obviously such an important player as well, uh, still not available for Liverpool. Arsenal, a straightforward 2-0 victory over Brighton. Kai Havertz, look at this guy. From malign to magnificent. Three goals in his last five games. He kept Brighton, uh, Arsenal kept Brighton from scoring after Brighton went 32 straight Premier League games scoring a goal. Arsenal has scored first in eight of their last nine. They are 5-1-2 and two away, which is tied for second in away points, but they're only 2-1-2 and two since October 21st. One goal wins at Brentford and Lutontown over the course of that span. They drew at Chelsea, and they lost to Newcastle and Aston Villa. Arsenal, the fewest away goals conceded, and the best away expected goals against, according to Understat. Uh, and last season, they played to a 2-2 draw at Anfield, and Arsenal won 3-2 at the Emirates. It was... Nil-nil at Anfield in 2022, and Arsenal no clean sheet in four. So here we go. Uh, a, a big fixture to round off the games on Saturday. Liverpool playing at plus 148 on Pinnacle. The draw at plus 259. An Arsenal away win at plus 184. I usually have a carbon uh, a rule I abide by, never bet against Liverpool at Anfield. But this one's testing that based upon Arsenal's form and Liverpool's maybe little dip in play, lack thereof at present time, what do you make of this fixture? It should be a good one. Yeah, it, it definitely could be. It could also be similar to the one we saw last week, which we all thought was going to be so. entertaining and enthralling. But yeah, uh, for a couple of reasons. I mean, the main one is that Arsenal 
generally when they travel, they are much more conservative. They take that defense first kind of ideal and become a little bit tougher to beat. Not, not so much in personnel, but just in, in so much as they, they aren't as attack minded. They, they rein it in a little bit because they, you know, ultimately they, they know that to win a title, you've, basically just don't lose away from home too often. Um, win your home games, don't lose away from home. This is obviously a game where a draw is a great result for Arsenal. Um, and I could see them getting that. But I just thought taking taking the unders, which again, you don't really do when Liverpool are playing at Anfield, but I think this could be a game that goes that way and where two teams kind of cancel each other out. And as I said, I touched on it earlier on, Liverpool's... Liverpool's kind of, their shot selection recently has been very concerning. Um, last week, they were at 1.97 XG against Man United from 34 shots. That's an XG per shot of 0.06. So that's, on average, every shot they took had a 6% chance of being scored. Like, that is yeah. not, that is not the way to go about things. Um, you kind of want that number as close, you know, generally around 0.12, um, 12% is, is great anywhere in between 0.1 and 0.14 really so they're well below that and if you take that average over the last four matches where they've played Fulham they've played Sheffield United Crystal Palace and Man United so four teams that defensively aren't very good I mean Crystal Palace okay maybe but the other three generally not shown to be very good defensive teams they've uh, they've posted an XG per shot of 0.08 so just 8% over that uh, four-game span. So it's not just a one-off. It seems to be something that's occurring uh, more often. And I don't know if that's a bit of impatience when they get in the final third against teams that are well-organised and they, they, you know, they, they just pull the trigger as opposed to recycling the ball, or if it's just that something's not clicking up there um, and they're, they're not finding those quick one-twos. They're still f- trying to find familiarity with each other, that midfield, that attack, trying to gel together. There's a lot of new faces there, but for whatever reason, it's not working um, at, at the kind of rate that it was earlier on in the season. Um, and then, yeah, also for Arsenal, they actually rank as the best defensive team in the league this season overall. 0.9 expected goals conceded per game, but also away from home. Like they've, they're conceding less than one expected goal against per away game, which is the only team in the entire league that's doing that at the moment. Uh, Man City are at 1.1, Brentford at 1.2, and then you've got a big jump to 1.6. So they are booking the trend in terms of defensive process away from home. Um, and it's showing in the results, which again, they're all fairly low scoring games. Um, so yeah, I think that they they will go into this trying to nullify Liverpool a little bit and just stifle that attack again, which I think could be easy to do with that midfield we've got at the moment, especially with Declan Rice, who has been probably the signing of the summer. Um, I know it's a big old price tag, but he's definitely living up to that price tag at the moment. So yeah, I, I think this could be one of those games that... Everyone's billing it as a big title six-pointer. Um, but it might just be one that ends up with a 1-0 either way or maybe even a 0-0 draw again or a 1-1, something like that. I'd be very shocked if it was like what we saw a couple last season um, at Anfield or at the at the Emirates where it was chaos, loads of goals, because it does seem Arteta's reined them in a little bit. So what what's your play in the game? Under 2.75. Perfect. Uh, minus one. Just wanted you to make uh, it minus official. Minus one or two. Just Are you going head to head? No, I'm not. No, I, oh, I, I, no. I, I, I can't believe 
I'm doing this because again, also- Liverpool at home is a proposition that it's very difficult to go against. But I can't believe I'm saying this. I think Arsenal's been the best team in the Premier League. And you know me and my anti, well, it's not an agenda. It's just my position is to, my my initial instinct when it comes to Arsenal is to fade. But I can't. Like, based on the way that they've been playing, their structure, the way that they've kind of evolved over the season, players have played better. And they haven't really had those devastating injuries that have completely crushed them. They've managed to play with OJ Zeus at times. They've got through it. Now he has Havertz playing in the midfield, Rice just in behind him and Odegaard. Like there's balance in this team and the two center backs, when fit and healthy, they're very difficult to play against. I look at Simicas playing at left back, the Saka this weekend could be the difference right there. They're starting to miss Robertson. Simicas is a fine backup like player to put in, but Robertson's that heart and soul player that just drives Liverpool forward. They, that's what they lack right now, that little bit of a driving force in their team. Um, so Arsenal, I'm going to make a f- full unit play on Arsenal, draw no bet in this game. Uh, it was at a plus number, what is it at? Plus 109. You know what? Make Let's make a one and a half unit play on this one. Because at the very least, I think that Arsenal could come away with something from this game. It kind of reminds me of those games against City. You know, they can just go and pluck a goal at the end of the game. I just, I kind of foresee foresee something like that happening. I cannot bet against Arsenal right now, um, no matter the powers, the strength of Anfield. So, Arsenal, one and a half unit play, um, draw no bet at plus 109. We'll see. I'm going against my principles here, but sometimes you have to do it. So, I just, from what it was, it's not even last weekend. For Liverpool, it's just how they've been playing in the build-up to that. Very fortunate against Fulham. It just they play Wednesday as well. Arsenal feet up, watching from home. Um, so yeah, let's go with that. Our final match for our feature five: it's Wolves and Chelsea. Wolves coming off a three-nil loss at West Ham, and only a zero point five six expected goal in that game, according to Understat. It's the first time they were shut out. Since the very first game of the season, a 1-0 loss at Manchester United. They've gone over 2.5 in 7 of 9. Both teams have scored in 9 of 11. First to concede, however, in 8 of 9. Undefeated in their last 6 at home, dating back to a 2-1 victory September 30th over Man City. They've been very good at the Molyneux, including trips by Villa, Newcastle, and Spurs over that span. Yet Wolves continue to pick up points. 3-3-2 at the Molyneux overall. Uh, 11 and 13. They do, however, have the fourth worst expected goals. Chelsea, a 2-0 home win, a much needed win at that against Sheffield United, a 3.27 XG in that game. Back to back home wins in the Premier League after going 1-7 and 6 in their previous 14 in the Premier League before that. Wow. They followed that up by advancing the EFL Cup at home despite being outplayed by Newcastle. Uh, they won in penalties. Both teams to score have played in six out of eight null competitions. They're, Chelsea are three, one, and four away from home, but they do have the third best away expected goals. They have lost their last three away games, however, coming against Newcastle, Man United, and Everton. Enzo Fernandez felt ill midweek. He missed out. Uh, Sanchez is out the goalkeeper. So former MLS goalkeeper Petrovic has done an okay job in his stead. 
and Cuckoo returned and played a role uh, as a substitute in the EFL Cup match. And we'll see what he can bring to the table. Head-to-head, Wolves won 1-0 at home over Chelsea last season. Chelsea won 3-0 at home. Uh, what kind of response are you expecting from Wolves? Because even though Chelsea have come away with, with some results, it just hasn't looked very good, has it, Jake? No, it's it, it's a weird one with Chelsea. Their underlying data looks great, but um, yeah, the eye test, the results don't really paint the same picture. Um, <laughs> what we do know, what we do know from watching them is that they are fairly entertaining. Uh, be it you know that they they create chances, sometimes miss, sometimes score, but they also give you a chance. They're very vulnerable defensively, um, and Wolves are very very much the same. They Wolves are. A, especially at home, are a very attack-minded team. They try and take the game to you, but they offer quite a lot of um, opportunities for, for their opponents as well. So this was a kind of automatic play to me once I saw the the line um, on the goals being just two and a half. I was expecting at least two and three quarters. Uh, but yeah, you're getting over two and a half goals at minus 119, and that'll do for me. Uh, one and a half unit play. Chelsea's games this season averaging 3.2 goals per game. Wolves at 2.8. Um, and yeah, as I said, both teams creating and conceding a lot of chances. Um, yeah, just defensively, Chelsea allowing 1.5 expected goals against per game and Wolves allowing uh, 1.8. So there should be chances all over the place on Christmas Eve. And yeah, I reckon we could be in for a bit of a, a bit of a cracker. Christmas yeah. cracker. Well done. Well done. It's, it will be a, a, a super Sunday. Uh, that's why I have two bets uh, in, in this game. I will do a full unit play. Wolves on the handicap at minus 106. Their home form has been brilliant. That's a good number. Um, and again, Chelsea, I just, you have little faith uh, at this point. Mm-hmm. And a half unit play on the over uh, two and a half at minus 119. I'm hoping it doesn't turn out to be a 1-1 or a 2-0. Uh, but I, again, for all the reasons why you believe it can go over, uh, so do I. Wolves are an over team this year like win lose uh, or draw that again the over in the seven of their last nine so two plays for this one and, you know nice whatever we're celebrating christmas a little bit early uh, let's go rapid fire for the rest very quickly it's a thursday fixture very quick if, if you could skip ahead if you're listening to this podcast after but it's crystal palace in brighton good rivalry match and on thursday a weird one on a thursday caught me off guard uh, do you have a play for this this game, Jake? Yeah, it's a tentative play on the over, which is at two and a half. We're getting basically even money for this bet, and it's 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 I say tentative because recent meetings have generally been quite low scoring because it's been Crystal Palace sitting deep um, and Brighton basically being the aggressors and taking the game to them, but. Yeah, I feel like this might be some, a little bit different. I think Palace might play this a little bit differently because they'll know the defensive vulnerabilities that Brighton have got and that they've got their own firepower. Um, I say that, I put that mildly, firepower. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, they rely on a couple of players, but they, they've got enough to hurt Brighton. And I know I kind of said about Crystal Palace, was it two weeks ago now, about the fact that they're just kind of existing in the Premier League. They're going to get a decent result at Man City. Um, they're not going to go down. Although they're eight points clear of Luton, it's, it'd be a huge surprise if they were to go down. So why not have a go? You know, it's, it's a big, it's a yeah. rival. I don't know if it's definitely not a derby game, but it's a rivalry game. Um, and 
yeah, this this seems especially the way in which Brighton play. I know they, they failed to score at, at Arsenal, but you know they've now had four days, five days rest, which is something that they've not been afforded for a long while. And um, yeah, a couple of players coming back fit as well. I think they could be at it, get their Christmas off to. And I think the other interesting thing to factor in is, you know, this may seem very small, but both of these teams they play on the twenty first. They don't play again until... Well, Brighton don't play again until the 28th, so they've got a week off. And Palace don't play again until the 27th, so they've got six days off, as opposed to teams that are playing on the 23rd and then again on the 26th. So they've got a really nice stretch Christmas period. So it does mean that they don't have to... You know, that they can go all out, basically. They don't have to manage uh, in-game. If they go 1-0 up or 2-0 up and then kind of sit off, they don't need to do that. They can go all out and make it a bit of a slog fest. So... Yeah, I, uh, I've had a small play on the, on the over. I'm going to make it a full unit play. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a tentative selection of the fact that I just think that we could see something against the usual grain for these two. Uh, Brighton conceded in every game. They didn't score at Arsenal. I think they can score against Palace. Both teams to score at minus 135 is enticing, but let's just drive it up a notch. Both teams to score and the over is my official Brighton play every week. Why veer <laughs> off from that full unit at plus 134? Palace can, can score and they can play as long as Olise mm-hmm. and Aze are in the team and, and both are back playing right now. So um, yeah, let's go with that. Uh, Aston Villa and Sheffield United, the most one-sided game of the weekend. The handicaps at minus two. Um, if you're searching for a play, is there one that you like? Nothing for me. Yeah. No, that the handicap line's a little bit too high. Um, yeah, still a little bit unsure as to what to expect from Chris Wilder's Sheffield United. Um, I did see w- one bet that might have it could it could still suck me in actually. Um, Aston Villa team total over two and a half. Minus 108. Um, yeah, at home this season, they've scored four, three, six, four, three, three, and then obviously two ones against Man City and Arsenal. That's one I had marked down, but then I did talk myself off it just because of, yeah, the Chris Wilder effect on that Sheffield United defence. I think if, if it was Heckingbottom in charge, this would have been an automatic play, but I, do, I don't know if he might. We've not got a big enough sample to suggest that they're going to continue defending the way in which they are. So, yeah, no bet. We're going big here as well. Uh, one and a half unit play. Uh, Aston Villa don't lose at home. They won 15 straight Premier League home games. Come on here. Back to usual business for Sheffield United losing at Chelsea, not scoring. Away, Sheffield United have four goals in eight games. Aston Villa win to nil. Yes, at minus 102. Done. Seems to be the most selling play to make in this game against a team that struggles to score against a team that doesn't lose at home. And more than doesn't lose, they win at home. Uh, Nottingham Forest, it's the big news of the week. Um, Steve Cooper out. Nuno Espirito Santo is in. Um, what kind of difference will that make? I mean, it, it, it makes me about a little bit leery about making a play. First of all, Jake, what do you make of the move? And do you have a play in this game? Um, it's interesting move. Um, I think Nuno probably will shore up the defense a little bit, but I don't think he'll, I don't, I don't see it as a massive upgrade on, on Steve Cooper. Um, I know he did a wonderful job at Wolves, but he also had a lot of, support, getting a lot of good players in. Um, and 
yeah, it, it didn't work for him at Tottenham at all. Obviously, it didn't work for him at Saudi either. So, yeah, it's an interesting move. I thought Cooper had more money in the bank at Forest to be afforded a bit more time. And, and you know, let's be honest, they're not exactly... <laughs> yeah, they are fourth bottom, but they've got a six-point cushion at the minute. It's not like they're in serious... Or five-point cushion. It's not like they're desperate, you know. I, I thought that they gave him a little bit longer, at least the Christmas period, to try and turn around. And ultimately, it's poor squad building because they're arguably the most important player is Taiwo Wanyi. When he doesn't play, they basically don't score. Uh, so not having a backup for him is is a huge. It's been a huge concern. It's going to be the same for Nuno. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens if he can get any difference. You know, any game plan specific stuff week to week to help them create. But they've had real problems in attack. Um, I don't have a bet here. Um, I've I've got no play. I was I was tempted by Bournemouth on the handicap because their underlying date has been phenomenal. But um, I do think that if yeah, if Nuno comes in, makes his imprint straight away, they will be very tough to beat for a couple of weeks at the very least. Yeah, no bet for me. It was burned by Chris Wilder's first game back with Sheffield United. Um, it's a good old Jake Osgathorpe watch and brief for me. I think I can't believe through this whole thing that Steve Cooper's 44 years old. I thought he was like 50, 44, that's it? Man, <laughs> coaching ages you, I'll tell you that much, so... Wow. Um, uh, let's move on to our final game of the week. It is Fulham facing Burnley. Fulham flying. Uh, the, uh, Marco Silva hedging my bets with him heading into the season. It's paying off. Now they're in the final four of a cup competition, and they're looking good in the Premier League as well. Burnley, their only sliver of hope here is they're not playing at home because they're just dreadful <laughs> playing at Turf Moor. Do you have a play in this game? I do, yeah. Um, I'm taking the over. Yeah. Same minus thing. 109. Same yeah. thing. I, why is it, why is it two also, and a half? Like, this was one of them I circled on the board this weekend. I don't get it because, sorry to interrupt, uh, Burnley, no, no. like, Head to head, these two sides have played to over two and a half in six out of eight. And Fulham have been an overside as well, over two and a half in six of seven. And in their three straight home wins, 13 goals for two against. And overall, they've been an over team generally over the last month and change. So to me, that this has been a no brainer, no brainer, full unit play, lock it in. Yeah, same for me. Um, I, again, didn't really understand why the line was where it was. Um, I think my only, I mean, it's not really a nagging doubt, is it? If you've got Raul Jimenez as suspended, who's been playing pretty well, but they've got a couple of options up there. And I think it's more the creative team behind him as opposed to him being the, the most important piece. Yes. So, yeah, they've they've finally started clicking an attack. And as I mentioned, they did get hammered at Newcastle, but they were very, very even in that game up until the red card. And I think they'll be, they're obviously flying at home as it is. They're creating loads of chances Burnley are extremely vulnerable uh, in general, but especially when travelling. Um, so, yeah, I was very tempted to make a double play and take Fulham on the handicap um, at minus 0.75. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Why not? I'm going to make two plays. I'm going to take Fulham Brilliant. to cover that handicap, um, yeah. which is, yeah, minus one. Obviously, they've done that the last two against Forest and, uh, and West Ham. Burnley are a much worse team than both of those, so... Yeah, let's ride with Fulham. I was considering, that was my first play. Then I saw the total. I was like, I, yeah. there's no doubt what play I prefer here. 
So that's this week's board. Um, hope you followed along and let's hope that some winners are included there. We should also mention that the round of 16 Champions League draw played out this week. Uh, and we have a UCL betting blueprint upcoming in the new year with our good friend Andrew Beasley as well. What do you make of the draw? I mean, City, of course, get Copenhagen, the, the lowest, I guess, quote-unquote, ranked team of the bunch. Arsenal uh, plays FC Porto, a, a team that has sprung an up, upset here and there in the in the Champions League. But I think based upon our Champions League preview podcast, both of us, you know, Got some right. You were high on Atletico Madrid. I, I, I was stubborn that Napoli would fi- would find a way through, and and they did manage to get there. What, what do you make on the draw? Like it really lacks glamour ties, doesn't it? In the round of sixteen, where a lot of favorites, you know, will be significant favorites to advance from these fixtures. It does. Yeah, it was a very disappointing draw, really. Yeah. But I guess you you'd say that as a negative, but then there's also the positive, the flip side, that if all the big teams get through, then the, the quarterfinal draw is going to be pretty special. Um, but yeah, there, there's, you know, the teams like Dortmund who were, you know, everyone, no one would have predicted they finished top of that group and they're kind of struggling in the Bundesliga. They get a fairly kindish draw against PSV. Although if I was looking at early upsets, I think PSV could, could upset Dortmund over two legs. I yeah. think Sociedad could be, Interesting against PSG um, as a as a potential upset, and if if Napoli still had Spalletti yeah. in charge, then they probably would be able to take down Barcelona. But their managerial uncertainties, I don't know. Diego Maradona derby. Uh, you got the Diego Simeone derby as well into versus Atletico, which I think is probably the highlight tie. To be honest, it's going to be the most competitive tie. It's going to be very few goals over two legs, but a lot of cards. Um, yeah, which. For card backers, it's going to be exciting. But yeah, the two English teams, expect them to get through. City should breeze. Porto might be difficult in Portugal, but I think Arsenal should have too much for them. They're quite savvy at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those. Like, meh. At this at this stage, it doesn't look like there's too much to get excited for. But, um, but there's the some, closer we get. There's some really good numbers on the market on Pinnacle as well, mm. depending on where you lean in some of these fixtures. The Napoli-Barcelona one, you know, Barcelona haven't been their vintage best. They're missing some players from injuries. Did, did not look conv- convincing. You mentioned PSG did not look. I know they survived and got through the quote unquote group of death, but there was nothing convincing about their play. And the fixture, I think that's most intriguing, Inter and Atletico Madrid. Because both of them on future plays, there could be some significant value if you believe one side is better than the other to advance. Plus uh, 2,041 for Inter. Uh, to win the Champions League, Atleti plus twenty five fifty two. I like Atletico Madrid. I think that if they get by Inter in this round, uh, they could really make some noise in this competition. I do think they're going to be a difficult team to play against. Anyway, those are just some initial thoughts as uh, we'll ponder over the Christmas holidays and we'll come back in the new year with a Champions League betting blueprint. Uh, good stuff, Jake. We'll be back next week. For a podcast, um, uh, ahead of the, we'll just be doing one podcast over the holiday season. So there will be a game week, which we will miss, but we will be back between Christmas and New Year's to provide you a breakdown. I believe it's for game week 19, isn't it? Or is it 20? I'm, I'm getting 20. my dates. Game, we'll miss 19 and we'll be back on it for game week 20. There you go. Good teammate. 
coming to help out <laughs> when need be. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and yours, Jake. Great job as always. And good luck with the plays this week. Likewise. Yeah. Hope you have a great time. Um, enjoy it. Hope the little one enjoys it. And yeah, we're aligned on a lot of picks. So we could have a, a great Christmas together or a really bad Christmas. Together, right. Well, yeah, either way, I don't ask fun. for much for Christmas, but some winners under the tree for you and I, that's <laughs> something that I can get behind and no refunds as well. You don't take it back to the store. You just take it to the bank. Uh, I'll be having Jake <laughs> and everyone at Pinnacle. A very happy and safe holiday to all of you out here. I am Gareth Wheeler, and this has been EPL Insights.